As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. This week's reviewer of the week is Rachel Madraga, and she says, a must listen for expecting mamas. I have been listening to this podcast for the last few months and have fallen in love. I've listened to many other birth education podcasts, but this one is my favorite. I'm a pediatric and perinatal chiropractor in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I recommend it to all my mamas. I love how Stephanie voices her unbiased opinion and explains that moms have many alternative options during the perinatal period. I am not currently pregnant or trying, but I can't wait to start the birth course once I am. Thank you, Stephanie, for all you do. I learn something new each episode. Much love, Dr. Rachel. Thank you so much, Dr. Rachel, for reaching out and for leaving that review. I think it's fun that there are quite a few people chiropractors and registered nurse and um, different people in the medical community that absolutely love the information. And I love that. In fact, I think some of these um, birth courses, some of the most interesting stories that you get are from the people that are within the medical community. I especially love listening to the registered nurses who are like, oh, I see exactly what happens in the hospitals for births. And I don't want that. (laughs) You know, I want to do something different from my experience. And that's what, you know, gets them researching and wanting to to learn a little bit more. I love stories like that. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, Dr. Rachel, and for, for everyone who's leaving reviews. Um, but especially in being a pediatric and perinatal chiropractor, um, how fun is that to be serving women in such a neat capacity? So thank you again. I hope that th- those of you who are listening will take the time and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You know I love to, to read them on here and to read them in general. Okay, diving into today's episode. I think one of the most common questions I get asked, and this is like DMs and messages, and it's how do I get labor going naturally? 
right? And it's usually because moms are approaching their due date and most likely an induction date. And the induction may or may not be necessary for a slew of reasons, honestly. Um, but I won't get into that. Basically, it's either that or they're, I'll give you a couple of reasons. It's, it's that. Maybe they're approaching that 42-week mark that might risk you out of um, having an out-of-hospital birth with a midwife. It could be that you're experiencing prodromal labor, and prodromal labor is contractions that get longer, stronger, closer together, but they don't leave you in an active stage of labor that ends with a baby. So this can these contractions can be longer, stronger, closer together for hours or days at a time, even up to weeks at a time, and not end with a baby in your arms. It can be really frustrating. Or you're generally just feeling uncomfortable, and you're like, baby, get out, right? I'm done. Your, here's your eviction slip. Like, it is time for you to get out. I need my body back. All of these are valid reasons. There's no bad reason for you to come and say, hey, how do I get my, my body to get moving and get this induction going? The main one I want to focus on today, though, is curb walking. And curb walking can help this process. Now, I'm going to go over a ton of other things, too, but just the special attention on curb walking just for fun. Um, obviously, there are natural means. There's medical means. I'm going to go over all those. But before I jump into the episode, if you haven't already, I want to remind you that you can download the three free daily exercise guide um, right there on myessentialbirth.com. Totally free. You go to the website, put in your name and email. I'll send you the entire download. It gives you pictures and all the description as to why you should do it, how you do it, how often you do it. Um, and then too, if you guys follow along and you love what you hear, I would love if you would leave a podcast episode. You rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and it helps other moms just like you find valuable information on this podcast. And honestly, it helps to collectively change the birth world for the better. And that's what we're out to do. Okay, so what is curb walking? I mean, pretty self-explanatory, right? Um, but literally, it's what it sounds like. So you're going to walk with, say that you're walking down the street and your left foot is on the curb, your right foot is going to end up in the gutter and you're just going to walk uneven. Left foot on the curb, right foot in the gutter. Left foot on the curb, right foot in the gutter. And just keep doing that. You're going to go down the road one way and then you're going to turn around and you're going to come back the other way. So I've also seen it done like where a mom is wearing like a high heel on, on one and a flat shoe on the other. You're going to have more balance issues. Maybe if you have a curb, it's probably best. Um, but it can be done inside too. I mean, whatever you need to do, especially weather permitting, right? Um, it can be done walking up and down the stairs. So even if you're using a stair and just like tiny back and forth between that, the wall and your banister, wall to banister, the point is that you're kind of getting that baby sh like shaken up a little bit. And I don't mean like shaken baby, shaken up. I mean like we want that body or baby, we want that baby to be rocking in the pelvis, right? We want, we want them to get some space in that area. So obviously it's going to help position for birth and it's going to add pressure to the cervix. And I, I think this is one of those things. Like when, when women come into, come to me and they're like, this, I'm looking to start labor. I want to get contractions going. This is an easy thing that you can do to either speed up or start labor. So if you are one of those women that has prodromal labor, then this can be something that can continue that labor for you. So let me walk you through some of the benefits. Uh, curb walking allows the pelvis to open and helps baby's head to put pressure on the cervix. So when you have increased pressure on the cervix, not only is it um, helping the cervix to dilate or open or pressure on the cervix is what we want, right? But it's also going to increase oxytocin. 
and oxytocin creates contractions. So if you're using this to try and get some contractions going, which truly walking in general can help facilitate that, um, then this is going to be really great for you. It's also going to use gravity to help that baby's head come down which I don't even know if I should get into this story right now, but I remember being at a birth and the midwife, I think it was a midwife. She was a midwife or an OB, but I remember her saying something to my client about how if gravity was such a big thing, like everybody would just be walking around and their babies would be falling out, you know, because we were talking, (laughs) anyways, we were talking about how she was leaned back and like maybe if she was like sitting up that would help and we just got a lecture about gravity and how that's not a thing but I thought really have you ever like tried to poop in a handstand do you think that would be as effective as you know sitting on the toilet and going to the bathroom gravity is kind of a thing so I want you to think of that when you're talking about walking and particularly moving that pelvis or that uterus Um, that's going to help baby come down and put pressure on the cervix creating oxytocin and contractions As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. There's a reason that unmedicated women are so active during labor. So this is I mean, honestly, if a mom does not have medication during labor and she's experiencing contractions, what's she going to be doing? Moving. You know, that mom is not typically going to be like quiet in a single position laying in bed. That is not what happens. That's what happens when a mom has an epidural. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if a mom doesn't have an epidural, she's going to listen to all of those cues that are telling her to move her hips, to sway, to squat down, to lean over the bed or make noises. Um, Even the noises like those guttural sounds right are gonna they can affect what's happening in that uterine area the stomach area the cervix area all of that is very connected um and it it, anyways it makes a difference so think of that when you're when you're thinking of oh I'm, I'm gonna be walking and moving this area to kind of stimulate some contractions I do want to talk about a couple of the risks so obviously you want to be careful that you don't fall <laughs> and that might be silly but I couldn't believe when I was at my sister's birth and I was helping her do some curb walking her curbs by her house were like a foot tall I couldn't believe it and both her and I are fairly short and I was like do not curb walk on these curbs <laughs> like especially by yourself but I couldn't believe it like they were just so anyways you want to make sure that you don't fall, obviously. Um, I want you to be a little bit conscious of relaxin. So relaxin is something that that helps um, your ligaments and everything to be really loose. It helps your pelvis bend and, and create room for baby. But it can also cause you to overextend or move things in a way that cause pain. 
And so as I've said before, obviously if something hurts, you don't want to be doing it. And it might be a great idea too to make a schedule with a chiropractor. So whether that's during pregnancy or after, or especially if you're trying to get things going, right? Seeing a chiropractor, specifically one that's familiar with the Webster's technique, used along with something like curb walking, all of that is going to be to your benefit and probably create a greater chance for you to be able to get induction going. So I want to talk to moms that are planning to do this, kind of who should use this technique. So we've talked about that when you're looking to begin or keep labor moving. Um, you don't want to, it's not something that you want to include in like your first or second trimester or re- really even until you're like 37, 38, 39 weeks and you're trying to get things moving and kind of because of that relaxing, right? You don't want things to cause pain or get out of balance and it needs to be something that's used strategically for getting mom to go into labor or for positional while mom is in labor. So obviously if you don't have any of those above, then you are good to go. There are other things though that you can do to move the baby through the pelvis that don't involve curb walking once labor has begun and so I wanted you just to remember that this is for getting labor going so women who are experiencing prodromal labor and this is labor that is starting and stopping but doesn't become active labor and mom doesn't end up with the baby in her arms a lot of the times what we say is it's positional right and so curb walking is something that can help with position you can also do something um, like the forward leaning inversion a side lying release I'll put a link for that in the show notes and the mile circuit same thing link for that in the show notes also if you're in the birth course the side lying release has an entire video that you can um, access within the course and there's stuff in the workbook and all of that uh, same with the forward leaning inversion and other things you can do for position so what's the best time to begin curb walking for induction obviously when it's go time we talked about that right like 37 38 39 weeks coming up to an induction need to get things moving maybe you're closer to the 42 week mark you're trying to get things going so that you've got to be able to um, still stay with that out of hospital midwife Um, if you're experiencing prodromal labor if you're facing an induction and you want to get things moving so you obviously need to be safe about that again I am not a medical provider and I can't provide medical advice so you know your status um, as a pregnant mom it's something that you can discuss with your provider as well and I think all of that is really good conversation to have before jumping into like let's get this baby out make sure that you are in a safe space to be able to do that if you are using walking to keep labor going so that was all the stuff you do if you are not trying to keep things going um but in the case of like prodromal labor and i did mention that just a little bit or early labor walking in general is excellent It stimulates contractions. It keeps things going. It's something that we tell you to do in early labor. Like make sure your body is moving. It will keep things going. Um, It can be really helpful with positions too. So you, you do it in between contractions. So while mom is having a break from a contractions, it's like curb walk, curb walk, curb walk. Particularly if the contractions are at a place where they're causing mom to pause and she has to breathe and she needs a little bit of extra support. Um, But it brings on contractions that are closer together and that are stronger. Walking in general, but curb walking even a little bit more. So specifically for a baby who is posterior or not all the way anterior, kind of that left occiput anterior that we like to look for. And that just has to do with the position of baby. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, head to the show notes. I'll put a little link that says this is, you know, a picture of a left left occiput anterior baby. Um, But it's if you are trying to flip a posterior baby. And so I will tell you as a doula, we've had great success with a couple of these things. Um, You just it's 
about relaxing and working with your body. And it doesn't mean that it's comfortable while you're doing these, but they can help flip your baby to a better position. I'm not talking about a breech. I'm talking about a posterior baby. Um, But we kind of joke like you can use that Captain Morgan stance, right? The like one leg up and one leg down. The same thing can be done on the ground. Uh, One knee up, one knee down. You can include pelvic tilts and rebozo sifting in between contractions for a posterior baby. This with the like one up, one down is probably something I've had the most success for. So think of that when you have your posterior baby or if you're having um, low back pain or what they call back labor during labor, I want you to think of using rebozo sifting and pelvic tilts and one knee up, one knee down or one leg up one leg down so mom is in hands and knees she's doing pelvic tilts and her birth partner or doula or labor support has a rebozo which if you don't have one it's fine but it's just a piece of fabric so it can be like a sheet too that goes around your entire belly uh, while you're in hands and knees and the person above you is sifting or moving like think of like they call it sifting apples and so think of what that would be like for your belly if they were like sifting it as if they were sifting apples and what it does is kind of like we were talking about from a previous episode where or just like forward leaning inversion or anything that gets baby up and out of the pelvis a little bit that sifting allows baby to kind of wiggle out of a bad spot and come up for a second and then find a better way in so if you think of like a baby going through a pelvis as like trying to fit a key into a keyhole, right? There's like one excellent way that that's going to work actually with a keyhole, like there's only one way, right? Um, With a baby, it can be a little different because they're trying to find a way and sometimes they get into a position and they get stuck in there where it's like, oh, that might not feel great for baby. It probably doesn't feel good for mom but they're stuck. And so helping them with things like pelvic tilts and rebozo sifting or curb walking or anything that's going to help them kind of move into a better position is going to feel better for mom, better for baby. And it can decrease the amount of labor time while like making it feel better along the way, which is definitely what you want. So you would kind of do those things and you kind of create a circuit. So the rebozo sifting and pelvic tilts would be done in between contractions. Uh, Mom has a contraction, it lets go rebozo sifting pelvic tilts until that next contraction comes on you do that maybe five or ten contractions give it a rest for a couple contractions and go at it again you don't want to wear mom out and if baby doesn't turn during that time maybe it's time to try some other things um kind of got off on a tangent there but it's having a posterior baby can be so uncomfortable and so I want you guys to have some skills there Um, I will say it's it's truly where it's excellent to have the knowledge and preparation to know what to do though so whether that's the curb walking or we're talking about turning a posterior baby Um, also these things are really great to include a doula or other birth support that can remind you and encourage you to do these things together with your birth partner and to help make sure that you're doing them correctly because if you're trying some of these things and you're maybe not skilled or doing them in the wrong way uh, then it might not help at all or it might make it a little less comfortable so knowing some of those skills you know which obviously guys if you take the birth course all that information is in there it's going to train you and your birth partner Um, but even still maybe you don't have that but you do have some birth support whether that's a doula or your birth assistants or you're at an out-of-hospital birth and their birth assistants or the midwife all of those people should be able to help you get into good positions and figure these things out so that they're really successful for you and and too like if I think I mentioned this but if you don't feel like going outside the curb walking is basically like just uneven walking so it can be done inside um you know there's other ways to do it you don't have to be outside and I remember too when I like early on 
and not that I haven't read this book in like a super long time because early on was quite a while ago when I started studying about birth but I remember reading in Ina May's Guide to Childbirth and I'll put a link for that in the show notes as well she talks about women who give birth on what they call the farm and it's a place where women come to literally give birth there's different houses that they stay in and and um, women come there and that's where they give birth is on this farm and it's to have this beautiful you know birth with a midwife experience no medical kind of stuff like trusting the the process of birth and the intuition that we have for our bodies but I remember her talking about how like in early labor or with a mom who has prodromal labor she'd send them out into the woods with their birth partner for a hike and part of it was the physical exertion right part of it is being outdoors and kind of connecting to that mother earth or it's interesting during labor what it feels like to be outside like if you have an opportunity to do that if it's not freezing and snowing and or maybe you're comfortable outside when it is freezing and snowing but I particularly liked being outside and looking at the trees and the sunlight and kind of getting a breath of fresh air there's something about that just you're in labor and I mean, I know that sounds probably like woo-woo, right? Like connecting to Mother Earth, but it's a thing. Also, that unevenness of hiking. Like it wasn't just like, go take a walk in the woods. It was, I want you to do some hiking. Like get one leg up higher than the other and then do it again and again and again. Um, And even going down the same way, like go down uneven. So it's that time alone and working together and talking with the birth partner and moving your body. All of that gets birth going. And so if, if you're trying to think of ways to like, you know, some of it, some of it has to do not just with our physical state, but what's going on in our minds. And I think a lot of what can, um, and you guys heard me talk about this with Angie Miller, actually, when we we were talking about like her home, she's a home birth midwife and what she's noticed about, you know, women gestating longer and babies being a little more comfortable inside because the outside world is scary a little bit. So I think that there's some mental work that has to happen too. And I, I think too, when you're coming up to an induction there's probably a little bit of fear that's going on. It's like, how do I get this baby out now so I don't have to do X, Y, Z? And so working through some of that, you know, using positive affirmations and some other things, um, I think all of that could be really important. And I'll kind of get into it in just a minute because I do want to take time right now and tell you what some other techniques are because curb walking is excellent and I gave you some ideas for posterior babies. But there are some other things that you can do at home um, to help baby get moving. So, and I'll also talk about the medical stuff at the end, but I like to give you all the natural things first because really if your body is ready, these things are very effective. And so nipple stimulation is another natural way that you can increase oxytocin levels. So after a baby is born and they are put to the breast and they attach onto that nipple, what they're doing is stimulating and the stimulation does a couple of things. It creates oxytocin and oxytocin is excellent because it creates contractions. It's also considered the love hormone. So it helps connect you to your baby, Um, but it creates contractions. And after you have your baby, you know, that's like easy time to forget like, oh my gosh, I have my baby, I'm done. Well, almost (laughs) because you still have a placenta to deliver. And so your uterus has to contract in order to allow that placenta to safely let go and, and be able to be born. And so nipple stimulation creates oxytocin, which creates contractions. And so that is something that can be used at the same time or in part of your circuit with curb walking or, 
you know, with the rebozo sifting and the pelvic tilts and the anything else that you're doing, you can add nipple stimulation. And this is something that you can just do yourself. Um, you just roll your nipples between your fingers, or you can use a breast pump. And particularly if you're like at a, in a hospital and contractions are going, labor is, is already going, you can use a hospital breast pump, which is actually going to, it's actually better stimulation than what you get at the, the home breast pumps. Um, but that's something that can help kick contractions into gear. Along with that is acupuncture or acupressure. So acupuncture is the one where you've got the little needles that they stick wherever they stick. I can't say I've done that before. I know women that have done it, particularly to induce labor and it's been successful. So I think it's great. Also for a a slew of other things during pregnancy as well, but that's acupuncture puncture and then acupressure is that like firm pressure that you use at specific points in the body and these can be used along with we always recommend clary sage oil if you are trying to so don't use it before but once you're trying to actually go into labor you want to add something like clary sage oil and the acupressure point so particularly with women during labor i have absolutely used this for um, stalls that we've had particularly that have been like emotional stalls it's really interesting to watch a mom who's like oh that adrenaline kicks in like somebody in her birth space that she doesn't like there or isn't comfortable with or she didn't like what the provider said and all of a sudden those contractions start getting funky or they space out and using clary sage and acupressure points um, especially spleen six which if you don't know what that is particularly if you're in the birth course, we talk all about it. It's in the workbook, but if not, look up spleen six and um, where you would push for that. And we just kind of go on, you know, we like, like push a little bit on those spleen six with the clary sage oil and allow those contractions to kick in. You can also have mom breathe the clary sage oil. Um, I will say for moms that are already in labor and trying to continue contractions, as far as clary sage oil, I recommend before you place it on the body that you just have mom smelling it and use the acupressure points and see if that does the trick. Because I have had a mom who, and luckily we were doing it this way and I hadn't placed it, the clary sage oil on her skin yet. She was breathing it. We got contractions going and she said, no, I need more of a break. I can't do this right now. And it was like, okay, cool. Stop smelling the clary sage oil. I'll stop pressing the points and her contractions spaced back out again. And she got the break that she needed before we were able to, to get things moving again. So if you put it on the skin, um, then it's, it's in there. And so it's it's just a good idea anytime you're using essential oils honestly during labor especially because you're changing like what you like changes so quick right just like pregnancy you're like oh I'm really hungry and I want a pineapple and chicken nuggets or whatever and then all of a sudden you know by the time your husband makes it to the door I may or may not be speaking from experience you're like never mind that sounds disgusting I want to throw up so it's very similar during labor your smell is heightened and so if you're like oh lavender smells so good right now and then all of a sudden you're like I don't ever want to smell lavender again <laughs> so you want to be able to remove it from the room so whether that's you put a cap on it or you've put it on a tissue and you can throw it outside of the room anytime you use essential oil start with it off of your body first Okay, another thing that you can use is sexual intercourse. And I know I've talked about this before. Um, What they're doing when they're trying to medically induce labor, specifically when they're trying to soften a cervix, is they're using something called a prostaglandin. And they're synthetic prostaglandins, but semen contains prostaglandins. And so if you're having intercourse, and this is the important part, right? Dad has to finish because you need the prostaglandins. Mom has to finish because that's going to create contractions. If you're doing those things together and you both finish, then there's a good chance that that can stimulate contractions. And if that's like the way you get things going and you're like, oh, contractions are happening, great. 
get up and go take a walk like immediately like wipe yourself off go take a walk if you're trying to keep things going and then you can add in things like a warm shower and rest and it doesn't have to be all go 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 how do we get things you know going from that kind of way sometimes and I'll get into that in a moment it has to do with like being rested and where your mental state is another thing though um, is castor oil and you've heard me talk about it before and it sounds so crazy and like oh my gosh do people really use that but yeah they really do and I've had clients that have used it with and without midwives so hospital births and midwives um, always under the care of a provider they let their provider know at least what they're doing if not asking them how to use it but what it is is it's a laxative and so the truth is when you go into labor or as your body's preparing for labor it's really common for you to have like labor or poops right like your body clears out and makes a space for baby to come through it gives as much space as possible for baby to go down and out castor oil is something that it's that natural laxative um it stimulates the bowels and that can create contractions another thing that you've probably heard of is dates at like 34 to 36 weeks it has a similar effect um so it can kind of create that like laxative effect but it wouldn't even be close to as strong as castor oil. So don't stress about that. Um, The castor oil though can definitely cause some cramping, cause some diarrhea. And so that's where you want to make sure that you're staying hydrated and it's done under the care of a provider, or at least your provider knows what you're planning to do. And then obviously it's not something that you want to take straight. Uh, This is something you want to blend into a smoothie or like use a ton of pineapple juice or something that's going to cover that taste. Maybe drink it with a straw, like closing your nose. It's anyways, from what I understand, I have not personally had it, but it is not delicious tasting stuff. So if you remember, like I had said, this is something that I talked about in a previous um, episode with Angie Miller, who's a home birth midwife. And so if you're interested in listening in there is episode 110 and it is safety of home birth and informed consent. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, Obviously you can look at it on the website as well. Red raspberry leaf is another one, red raspberry leaf tea. And so you can get this I mean, I think it's traditional medicinals that has it. I'll put a link again in the show notes. Um, But it's something that women use. It's supposed to tone the uterus. Whatever that leaf does can tone the uterus. And so it can also cause contractions. So we generally say like for moms, okay, don't use it before 36 weeks. But I also know moms who have used it the entire pregnancy because they like the taste. It's not caffeinated. Um, It's just an herbal tea. And it's good for him. So um, if that works for you, I I always say like, well, try a cup. And if it's causing cramping or um, you have contractions or anything like that, like obviously don't do it anymore or scale it back. If you're like, oh, I noticed a little bit of Braxton Hicks going on. Well, have a half cup tomorrow and, you know, see if that makes a difference or not. So obviously another one that just on the like more natural side of things that you can use. And then there's herbal remedies. I won't get into all those, but there's different herbs and tinctures that you can use that can also get things moving. Here's some of the other stuff that maybe we don't think about when we're talking about induction of labor. And that is talking to your baby. So like I had mentioned before, there's a lot of stress that can be involved when you're feeling like I need to induce for whatever reason. Um, And so talking to your baby in a really calming manner, plus I think it just helps you connect with your baby. So I think maybe I'm not, I could be off on this. This is my personal experience, but with my first baby, now I feel like as a mom, as a woman, when you have another soul inside of your body, you can feel that. You feel the weight of that. You feel the difference of that. You feel the beauty of that, the sacredness. I didn't necessarily feel connected to my baby, especially the first time. I was like, oh, that's so cute. And I feel you move. And But I remember even after he was born, and you guys have heard me share this, 
it wasn't like an instant connection. It wasn't easy for me. And I think some of that had to do with the birth experience, but some of it was just like, I don't know you. And so um, what I did do, especially with my third baby, because I was talking to him to try to make sure that he was going to move and not be breached. <laughs> that was the first time I had really taken time to talk to my baby. I felt a much stronger connection. Um, and what's what's neat, gosh, I, I will have to go and find this study, but there's a study that showed um, – mom's brain waves and baby's brain waves after they're born match perfectly so in other words like whatever mom's dreaming about or you can see like with her dreams there's certain brain waves I'm not saying they're having the same dreams but they are so synced and so connected and so I don't think I really don't believe that we give that enough of the energy and attention that it deserves and I do believe that talking to your baby can do a lot I think um that connection in general. And so if you're worried about induction or whatever else, and obviously I'm on the spiritual side of things, like I'm going to tell you to use prayer and things like that because I did it and I know it worked for me and I know other women it's worked for. Um, and so there's that side of it, right? Like in, involving God or whatever you decide to pray to, um, whether you it's like, you know, the universe or whatever you're connecting with. But make sure that you're also spending time talking to your baby. There's something there about that. And then I mentioned positive affirmations. So things like my baby will come when it's best for them to come. My body will go into labor naturally and when my baby is ready. Things like I trust the process of birth. I trust my body and my baby. Those things rewire um, not only how we think, but the effect that the thoughts have on our bodies. And so that's why saying things that might be the opposite, honestly, of how we feel in this moment out loud and regularly begin to change the internal. And um, I think even if you just think about kind of it might it might seem a little bit backwards, but if you think about who you surround yourself with, right, like the good stuff that you have coming in are you around positive people are you listening to positive birth stories and then how that makes you feel it's not the opposite way and so if you're saying those things out loud as if they've already come to fruition your your brain hears it your body responds and so po positive affirmations are really powerful um, and so along with that because there's a lot of fear and stuff involved with induction I'm going to attach in the show notes the find it and flip it exercise and it's going to give you it's a free pdf download it's going to give you instructions on exactly how to identify your fears and then to move those fears into positive affirmations to literally get rid of the fear it becomes a strength for you I've done it I can tell you as dumb and it sounds like so easy that like oh yeah sure that works but I'm telling you it is extremely powerful and can really change the way that you're feeling about your baby and your birth and along with that is that relaxation right so we're talking about all these active things that you can be doing and nipple stimulation and intercourse and curb walking but relaxation is huge and like rest and relaxation are different things, right? I want you to rest while you relax. Um, relaxation is a learned technique and I, I know I've mentioned this before, but they're like relaxation practice that we do within the birth course. There's a reason for that. It is a learned kind of muscle memory technique and you don't get it because you laid down and said, okay, I'm going to relax. You know, there's a little bit more to it than that. And so when you're practicing relaxation, especially with your birth partner um, and you're talking to your baby and you're using those positive affirmations and now, you know, maybe you involve that warm bath as part of your relaxation 
all of that starts to help mom's body and mind and spirit relax so that possibly things can get moving and induction can happen. So it's all part of it. I want you guys to be doing those physically active things, sure. But if we're not taking care of the mind um, and body on the other side, then those things might not be as effective or you might just go into it a little more strained or stressed. So I told you I was going to talk about the medical things as well that can be done um, under the care of a medical provider in order to induce baby. So the first one that I like to talk about is the stripping or sweeping of membranes. And this is totally your choice. It's just on the lower end of like what you need for medical care. It's more of an outpatient thing. It's something that a provider can do in their office. You don't need to come to a hospital for. It's an option. It doesn't mean you need to do it. It doesn't need to happen in progression this way. You could decide this is not something I want to do. I would rather just go straight for the medical stuff because of whatever reason. So if that's the case, um, I just want you to have this as an option kind of in your back pocket. But the stripping or sweeping of membranes. And that is where a provider places two fingers inside of the vagina and through the cervix and then pulls off or separates the bag of waters from the uterus, the uterine wall. Um, And what it does is just like you would expect, it kind of irritates the uterus and that can cause a lot of cramping or discomfort or pain with or without contractions. Oftentimes, I shouldn't say often, it really depends on where your body's at and kind of bishop score information and all that, but it can lead to contractions that end up with you in labor. So if you're coming up to an induction and your bishop score looks good, which I'll talk about that in a minute, um, and you're really feeling like that's the next step or you would like to do that, which is typically offered like at your provider's appointment, um, oh, I can just sweep your membranes really quick. You should know that it's not super comfortable. It doesn't feel very good. They, um... I I think a lot of times it's referred to as like a rough, like it'll be kind of like a rougher exam. Um, But then it's like the cramping and pain and stuff that comes after. And it may or may not lead to contractions that end with baby. Um, And then we've got the ripening of the cervix. So a lot of times when we talk about medical induction, we're talking about a mom who's going to meet her provider at the hospital, usually at night. Don't get me started. I don't know why they do this to moms and have you guys do this overnight. It drives me crazy. But normally they will bring you in. um, Okay, so part of the reason that they do it is because they want the cervix to be able to ripen and it takes a little while. So like I get it, but then it just frustrates me at the same time because you're going to bring her in at like eight o'clock and the induction isn't started till 10 and then you're not going to sleep and then she's going to like be tired in the morning when you're starting Pitocin and it just is like, are you trying to make this successful? But I also get that like if she comes in at 8 a.m., it could take all day and then you could be giving birth at night personal preference here. Okay, I am done. Off the soapbox. So the ripening of the cervix is done with either Cervidil or Cytotec. Um, those are for you to research on your own. I, I, you know, I've talked about, I think both of them on here before, but I think it's really important that you do the research on different medications that are going to be used. And so you understand how they're used, but something like Cervidil or Cytotec, which is a prostaglandin, just like we talked about the semen, um, it's done in the hospital for the beginning of a medical induction. It's another thing that the point of it is to soften a cervix. So when we talk about a cervix, it's like, is it ripe or not ripe? And think of a fruit. It's the same thing. Is it soft and squishy or is it a little bit more tough and hard? You want it to be soft and squishy because then it can efface or shorten and thin um, and dilate, which means to open, get a little bit wider. So they put the Cervidal or Cytotec in. Um, it might cause cramping. It might cause contractions. And you may or may not sleep. That is just part of you know the process. Another one that you could do is the rupturing of the membranes or breaking the bag of water. So this is one I again, you have to do what is right for you. 
you have to do what you're trusting feels right for you but I want you to have all the information in order to be able to do that if that's the only thing that is offered um, and it's offered just as the very first thing to do um, particularly if they haven't gone over a bishop score and everything I think there are probably better ways to help prep the body to be ready for labor rather than just breaking the bag of waters because when you do that when you break the bag of waters you've got um, an increase for infection. You, so you want to make sure that you decrease the vaginal exams, right? Because once we break the bag of waters, the number one risk for infection is increased vaginal exams. So the more that we have even a gloved hand pushing good bacteria from the vagina into an area it doesn't belong, like the cervix and uterus, you cause a risk for infection. So you want to have a lot less vaginal exams should you choose to do a rupturing or breaking of those membranes, the bag of waters. Um, it might bring on contractions and it might not. So that's the tricky part. You break the bag of waters. It's the same thing during labor. A mom during labor that's told, oh, we're just going to break the bag of waters and that baby's going to come right down. You know, I'm pretty like and then things will get moving. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that's really true. And then sometimes it doesn't. And now mom's less comfortable. And now we've increased the risk for infection. And now we've put her on a clock. There's a lot of things that happen with each decision that we make. And so it's just really important that you have informed consent. But if you're using it to get contractions going, it may or may not bring on contractions at all. The other thing about it is it takes away that cushion during contractions, which if you were to like reach up in there, it doesn't feel like a lot. But think of just how a balloon works, just how it displaces like pressure and whatever it, it anyways, it, it just, it works well. And when you take away just that tiny bit of cushion, it makes things a little more uncomfortable, a little trickier for mom. And then like I had mentioned before, it's going to put mom on a clock. So that means that once the bag of waters is broken, because the risk of infection increases, they want the baby out faster because getting baby out faster means there's less of a chance for baby to get infection. Another one is Pitocin. So Pitocin is that artificial oxytocin. Oxytocin is what creates contractions. It's a hormone within our body. So they do artificial Pitocin through an IV. The benefit of Pitocin is that it can be removed from the body or turned down like very quickly. It goes through the body very quickly. If it's causing distress for baby or it's not working well for mom, it can be turned down or turned off. So that is wonderful about Pitocin. The other thing of Pitocin is it causes contractions that come on really fast and they stay strong and then they drop off. So it's a different contraction than what comes naturally from mom's oxytocin. Whereas that is like more of think of like a hill, right? Or a bell, like it, you go up, you feel the contraction building and it gets stronger and stronger and then it starts letting go and comes down the other side of that hill. The Pitocin contractions are a little bit different that way. They come on fast, they hit fairly hard and then they're gone. So just remember that that's something that can happen there. Um, baby may or may not react well to it. If Pitocin is used as like the only thing like on its own to be able to create um, and to get the induction going unless your body is ready it's likely not to do much so we say it's like banging on a closed door right so this is where it really pays to know your bishop score let me explain that real quick banging on a closed door okay if your body if you're not dilated at all and your cervix isn't effaced at all and um you know your your cervix is still like posterior and it hasn't come forward yet because it's not ready for a baby and you put contractions on that that might not be super successful um it's like banging on a closed door however if you do a couple of things that help the body prepare 
that's where like if you're looking for a natural way to soften a cervix that's why we say yeah start dates at 34 to 36 weeks um start doing things that are going to soften and prepare the cervix um you can have sex or you know there's other things that soften and prepare the cervix same with the beginning of an induction if you know your bishop score for example and um there's different things that are assigned each category is assigned different points that tell you how successful your induction is likely to be um, and that's things for how soft your cervix is how open or dilated it is how effaced it is where your baby is where the position of the cervix is all of that taken into account gives you a score and we say a score of eight or higher is more likely to be receptive to and have a really positive induction that doesn't have a need for a ton of interventions to get your body prepared and ready to be in labor, which will likely lead to more intervention and possibly a cesarean birth. So if your score is higher or you have more of those things, like your cervix is effaced and it's nice and squishy and it's up front and your baby's drop down a little bit low, all of those things are going to tell us, oh, well, if we do some of these mechanical things, the body will probably kick in and take over. But if you have to do more of those mechanical things because the body is not naturally prepared to go into labor, then you've just got an increased risk of some of these other things that create more intervention and that chance for a cesarean birth. So I think it's really important anytime you're talking induction, whether you're doing the natural methods or not, to know what your body is doing. And remember, when we're talking vaginal exams, right, like all they really tell you is, oh, you're however many centimeters dilated. Maybe they tell you how many centimeters dilated and maybe how effaced you are. Not always. Um, but that is not a complete picture. That doesn't tell you what position baby's in or how high or low they are or if your cervix is up close or back. Or it, There's a lot of things that go into it. And as I've said before, and I will say every time I talk about this because I have noticed it and I don't have studies on this, so maybe this isn't good information, but I have to tell you because it is what I've experienced time and again, that the more ripe or effaced your cervix is, I feel the greater chance induction methods of any kind have of bringing a baby earthside with less intervention um, out of all of them. So there's like the score and you get two points for this and two points for that. Well, in my opinion, my personal and professional opinion that effacement is huge when it comes to how close you are to getting things really going. So I would say absolutely ask for that number, at least in the way of the Bishop score. That is what I have noticed for women who have had really successful inductions. All right. That was kind of it. I want to recap though and go over just, I don't know, hopefully what you learned, hopefully what you're able to take away from this. Um, I truly hope that when you guys listen to these episodes, it's something that you are like, oh, let me get my pen and paper. Like that was information enough that I want to not only remember it, but share it with my birth partner. Um, obviously, I'm going to encourage you to have your birth partner listening to the episodes. I keep trying to bring my husband on <laughs> in hopes that you guys that do listen will enjoy, you know, and kind of laugh along with the dads. Um, but anyways, basically there's different reasons that a woman may want to get birth moving. That's what we talked about today. Okay. Be it a necessary induction coming up to a due date and getting risked out of out of hospital care from a midwife experiencing prodromal labor and wanting to keep things moving and then being ready to have a baby out. Right. Those are some of the main ones that we went over. 
I hope that you can see that curb walking can be an excellent way to help baby move into a better position as well as stimulate contractions, among with a a few other natural techniques that I gave you to try. And if you're feeling like you would like to or um, it's time to move into some of those more medical options, you found a list list of them within this episode as well as hopefully understanding a little bit about your Bishop's score. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you will tune in with me again next week. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.